Let's go. We see that hype outside. Right from the house. Uh. Took it straight from outside. Straight to the couch. We put the mic outside. What is up, everybody? It's the NBM Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Housen. I want to say first and foremost, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. For those of you that are new to the NBM Podcast, I guess a little bit of brief history. This whole thing started because I would sit around and talk for hours with two of my buddies, or pretty much anybody that was a friend of mine that did RC for hours about the RC uh, industry, about racers, about everything. Everything RC. So I uh, was totally into Associated. I wanted to get a four-wheel drive buggy because I had a two-wheel drive buggy that I, I liked a lot. I had the B5M. So, of course, I went to looking. The B44.2 was the hot four-wheel drive buggy at the time. A lot of guys were updating it to an aluminum Avid chassis, doing all kinds of crazy things like that. I was a carpet racer. I knew the 44.3 was just around the corner. It was coming with gear diffs, a few things like that. So it was better suited for the kind of racing I was doing versus ball diffs uh, that the 44.2 came with. So I waited. But of course, while I was waiting, I decided to look into it. And that's where I found the Radio Impound podcast when they interviewed Tim Tunerman, who was the designer behind the 44.3. And it was super interesting to me um, that there was a podcast about RCs. So I kind of started looking into what it would take to make my own. And that's where we end up today with the NBM podcast. A bunch of episodes later, a couple thousand listens, um, we're here. And I'm super excited to bring this episode to you guys. we got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, we're going to dive right into it here right away. I really hate to bring it up, but I have to. I have to talk about this whole COVID-19 thing. And, you know, I'm sure with many people it's causing a little bit of a funk. You know, you're not quite in the right headspace or where you want to be. I know I've suffered from it. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be working during this time, but... Uh, it's a double-edged sword, right? And at the same time I'm working, I'm not making uh, near as much as I usually would just because, unfortunately, the kind of work I do depends on how busy restaurants are. And those are hit pretty hard with this whole thing, especially in Canada. So it's been, uh, hasn't been a walk in the park, but, you know, we're managing and we're, we're, um, we're making it. But I have to say, you know, I'm, uh, I'm thinking of all those folks that uh, are, are struggling way worse, that uh, can't make it happen. And uh, aren't making any money other than the government assistance that's out there. So hopefully you guys can uh, hunker down, make it through this. And hopefully everybody stays strong and safe during this uh, crazy pandemic we got going on. And as things return to normal, hopefully uh, before we know it, we'll be back to doing what we used to do. And, and it'll be COVID what? So that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Um, so that's what I'm going to say about that. Now, because of that, it has affected some of the plans I've had for RC throughout these spring months leading into summer, but we're going to get through that. We're going to manage because I've made some stuff happen. Now, huge shout out to Tom Tanner from Factory Tracks for setting me up with Randy, who had an SC 6.1 chassis. So uh, Randy and I worked out a deal. I got a 6.1 chassis for a uh, short course chassis on my way to, uh, to me. So what I'll be able to do is start actually building and prepping uh, a DR 6.1, as I'm going to call it at the at this point. Um, and my idea is I kind of want to make it the aero com- competitor. You know, Tim's talking that car's probably going to be pretty fast. 
Uh, more than likely going to be really fast. So my 6.1, I'm hoping, can give it the beans. You know what I'm saying? If not, at least give uh, race hell locally with everybody um, until we can start uh, checking that out. Now, the beauty part about a few things that have uh, happened here, um, I shouldn't say beauty, kind of a depressing situation to talk about, but unfortunately a good friend of the show um, and fellow RC enthusiast and full-scale drag racer, a um, friend of ours passed away a few years ago. Um, his widow reached out recently and uh, brought all of his RC stuff to me because she wanted to make sure it would be used and that's what he'd want. So with that happening, this was the particular gentleman that bought my old radio, uh, my B5M and stuff like that. Uh, I gave him a great deal on it because I wanted to get him into the hobby and really get him hooked and, and it did. Um, I'm kind of blown away with how much stuff was dropped off at my place. So we're going we're gonna to build a DR10 b5m converted uh, drag car in ed's honor and we're uh, gonna do a body and stuff like that and that'll be kind of the the ed memorial ride for uh, every time we race it kind of deal so i'm excited to do that also like there are a whole bunch of old rc like vintage tamiya rcs that came and stuff that I still need to do a bunch of research on but as i research it and clean them up and stuff like that we're gonna play a guess the guess the car uh, game over the next few months that should be entertaining um, and then because I have so much associated stuff around the house I have a whole bunch of, of 2.75 shocks so I should be able to make at least two to three uh, well at least two associated rides and then we have another manufacturer chassis that's been here since the early days of the NPRC um, inception that I was planning to build a car out of that just never came to fruition that I think I'll just build it up as kind of a demo ride for people you know put a uh, just a regular like J Concepts Nova body on it or something like that and then uh, or sorry a Proline Nova body I literally had a J Concepts thing in front of me that's why that happened apologies but a Proline Nova body on it um I know they're hella popular. It'll definitely attract attention. I think it'll be a good car just to run up and down uh, the street for people to check it out and, and try it out kind of deal. So, uh, yeah. We got lots. Like, I've done a lot since I've recorded the last show and I actually took notes to make life a lot easier. Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen it or not, but on YouTube, I posted up a video of me running my uh, T6.1 outside for anybody who checks it out wondering and maybe didn't watch it all the way to the end. That thing's just got a 13.5 in it, right there, two cell uh, lipo running on some Proline Big Joes. So, you know, there's nothing uh, crazy about them. There's nothing fancy about the, the car or the gearing or anything like that. It's, uh, it's pretty much just set up. It's 10 degrees timing in the speed control. It's running a Tekken RS um gen 2 so I, I like it it's a great little car i had a lot of fun with it there flipped it over a few times my road is super sketchy and bumpy and it, it takes one little bump to carry that front end and get it up so uh yeah we'll see how that goes definitely not planning to run any of my drag cars really uh to to get any kind of data up and down my sketchy road i might run them up and down the road just to kind of be funny about it but i think that'd be about it um now so what I've done is I kind of was interested. The T6.1 moved pretty good, so I haven't messed with it at all. So my thought is, is this. I've got an Eagle Tree data logger with the GPS unit on it so I can get speed. So I think I'm going to hook it into the T6.1, get everything all set up, and we'll take it out with the way I have it set up with that 10 degrees of time and see what kind of like speed we're getting out of it, uh, you know, mile per hour, kilometer an hour kind of deal. And then... We'll see how fast we can get it to go without really doing anything crazy. You know, we won't really mess with shocks. We won't 
Uh, we're going to run the, the Proline Big Joe rubber tire, so it'll be kind of a real-world rubber tire situation. <clears throat> I'd have to do some reinforcing on the body, that's for sure. Um, those bodies really don't like sliding upside down in asphalt, to tell you what. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to see, we're going to kind of do that. The T6.1 speed adventure over the, the summer months, we're going to see how fast we can get it to go. And I think once we hit what we feel is the peak on rubber tire, then maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk to Rick and throw a set of foams on it and just try and pinch every little last bit out of it without, again, without doing anything crazy. So we're not going to look at running anything outside of the stock body. You know, we might Velcro the body sides in to stop weird stuff from happening, but it won't be anything extreme, like no big canards, no, no, nothing like that. I really just want to see what this car can do in its natural form. And that way it's fun for anybody kind of checking it out as, as I go along. Cause then it's pretty easy for them to replicate and maybe have the same kind of fun, uh, tracing some, some mile an hour. The big goal this year is to break the hundred mile an hour, um, and get into the nitro killers club. So that that's going to be on the list of things to do. That's for sure. Uh, a few more notes to cover. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of local hobby shop stuff. Uh, anybody that's listening that has a local hobby shop to them that's still open and doing business that uh, can't have people coming in, the in, uh, please try and support them as much as you can. For me, unfortunately, I don't really have a local hobby shop that I can uh, deal with right now uh, just because of the whole border closer situation. But I would usually deal with Casey Hobbies. And uh, Casey has been shipping daily and being able to fulfill orders and stuff like that during this whole thing. So if you need anything, Casey Hobbies and Toys out of St. Ignace, Michigan, reach out. I'm sure they can get you all squared away and set up. <clears throat> that brings me to this next thing. Rick, our good buddy Rick Seffert over at Gone Banana Racing Skins. He is working his butt off. Um, I feel like a broken record having to say this all the time for him, but... I know how busy he is. The real life work that he does, like his full-time gig, is in the medical supply industry. So you could just imagine how busy he's been. Uh, so be, be be patient. If you got to reach out to him, uh, I know he's answering questions as often as he can. I, I see them, but I try not to get involved because he might have a system and I don't want to kind of mess with his mojo. So uh, be patient with Rick. If you don't hear from him for a few days, feel free to send him another message uh, asking him, you know, hey, I'm still here. Uh, he'll get around to you. His apologies. He's uh, having a shortage of foam because he's having really big orders and stuff like that come in that are unexpected. But, you know, like somebody told him before, you can't say no to money. You can't say no to money. Never. When it comes to you like that, you just can't say no to it. So, uh, yeah. So that's going to bring me to this final little tidbit or not tidbit or this final note really before we'll take a break and then we'll have what we're going to get into, which I haven't even broken to you guys yet. So this last little note before we get into the main thing the show is about tonight, and uh, this is a big one-off. You guys know we haven't had anybody on the show guest, like in a guest capacity like this in a long time. It's usually just friends of the show, people we're really comfortable with. Um, but these two guys are super, super awesome. They were really friendly in all the email conversations I had. I enjoyed their movie very much. We're going to be talking to the uh, writer and director, Dave Hill, and the producer, Trenton. Uh, I'm looking forward to having those guys on from Flying Cars. That's right, guys. The movie that is a feature-length movie about our hobby we're going to be talking to those guys tonight. I did put a po put a post up. There are some questions, so we'll ask them that. They're willing to answer some questions, so I'm going to ask them a few, uh, see where their heads were at. Uh, I know there's been a lot of mixed reviews about it. I, like I said, I've seen the movie. I enjoyed it. So we're going to talk to those guys in this episode. 
But let's get to that final note. So the final note is I kind of want to see how you guys feel about me starting a Patreon um, and maybe a, like a merch store, like a Teespring or something like that. And the whole reason I'm thinking of doing this is to start making the podcast self-sufficient. You know, the podcast has a lot of sponsors, uh, but none of those sponsors are paying the bills. They are, you know, they are definitely helping keep the hobby affordable, which allows me to input money into the podcast versus into the hobby. So by no stretch of the imagination is this completely unaffordable for me. But I would love to make it a thing that kind of stands on its own. And I think once I cross over that threshold of going to a Patreon or something like that, then the the commitment to really, really doing it will be there for me. And I think that's why I've struggled so much with with doing shows on a regular basis. I just really have no true commitment. I'm not obligated to 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 do this show. You know, the sponsors are amazing and support me and everything I do. And they know that when I do go to races or events or anything like that, you know, I'm super helpful and there for any of the the people using their products. Um, you know, from Tekin to Associated. You know, my, my, my knowledge may be limited, but, uh, it covers a lot of, lot of things. So sometimes, you know, I can, I can help. I actually help more often than, than I think a, a, a hinder to be honest. But, uh, I'm really thinking that going with a Patreon and setting up a merch store and everything like that and letting you guys be able to easily access, uh, you know, shirts, hats, sticker packs, stuff like that. Um, the sticker pack stuff I'm going to have to figure out because I don't think I want to do that to, through Teesprings because, of course, we are associ- uh, we are working with 920 Designs uh, for our stickers. So I'd like to do something with Zach. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to talk to him. But let me, guy- let me know, guys. Like, send me a message on Facebook. Send the podcast page a message. Comment on this show uh, if you're not, you know, if you're not a Facebook user and you listen on, on Podbean. Let me know if you're interested in stuff like that. Uh, obviously, a Teesprings really is no effort on my part other than making a couple of shirts, uh, designs, and stuff like that, which I have no problem doing. I don't physically have to, to work with them or make them. Um, but let me know if you've had shirts from Teesprings before or something like that. They're not the greatest. I, I really don't want to disappoint anybody with their hard-earned spent money, so I can definitely look at different avenues. Um, but I'm thinking maybe two bucks a month for the Patreon. And what that's going to get you is access to an unedited bonus show every month. I'm only planning to do one show a month, I think, going forward. Um, so two shows a month is easily obtainable for me. And that bonus show will consist of maybe outtakes. And because a lot of times before I record a show, if I'm talking to somebody, there's a lot of pre-recorded audio. Uh, and I do plan to have more people on the show. Mike has expressed some interest to come and chat and, you know, kind of find out what he's been missing out in, in the RC uh, industry and, and that since he's been out and having to kind of deal with some health issues, running his own business. And now he's actually, uh, working for a construction company. So he's got a little bit more free time on his hand, like to, to sit in and talk. So I'm looking forward to those shows, but let me know guys. I really appreciate all the feedback and all the, the comments and everything like that. And, and the more I get, the better I can make this show for you guys. So let me know what your thoughts are on that. I think the time, if I'm going to do it is going to be for June. Um, so we're literally in the middle of, of, uh, May right now. So I got to make it happen. I'm going to in about a week and then I'm going to hit the hammer and you guys will either see something or you won't see something. And maybe I'll delay it to July. We'll see. Uh, that's pretty much it. I guess on more of a personal note, it looks like I'm possibly going back to school and starting in July on an online course for uh, video production. I'm looking forward to that. So that means videos might start getting better in the future instead of my little hack jobs that I like to do. But I think that's about it. I think we can take a break. We're going to get Trenton and Dave on. And we're going to uh, 
chat it up with those guys. Ask them some questions. Talk about flying cars. I'm still amazed that there's a feature-length movie about RC cars out there. And we're going to talk to the guys who made it happen. That's, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, we'll take a break. We'll hear from our sponsors, our wonderful supporters of the show. And uh, we'll be right back after these uh, words. Gone Banana Racing Skins. Foam tires for any application from custom builds, 10th scale, 8th scale, X-Max, drag racing, you name it, Rick will wrap it. If you have something in mind, reach out to him on Facebook at Gone Banana Racing Skins and have a chat with him about your project that you have in mind. Rick is a great guy with a great business, and he's willing to help you get the foam tires that you need in order to make your race program the best that it can be. That's why at Gone Banana Racing Skins, they strive to give the best to their customers that they can. Gone Banana Racing Skins, doing custom foam tires that others just won't do. All right, so for anybody listening that hasn't seen what we're about to talk about, which is the full feature-length movie called Flying Cars, which is about a hobby that I enjoy personally, very much so. So much so that I do this crazy, ridiculous thing called an RC podcast. Um, (laughs) So, But that's from the actual score of the movie, folks. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a little up-tempo. And for anybody saying anything, well, it's a little, you know, synthesized. It is, but it's original. That tune right there was made for the movie. So that's cool. So don't be that way. We're not that way around here. You know that. We'll say things honestly, but we don't tease too often. However, I don't think the guests that we're about to have on are uh, too um, sticky and won't kind of go with the flow so far. Trenton and Dave have been great guys to talk to for the few minutes I've spoke to them. Welcome to the them to the podcast. Thank you for joining me, guys. I'm um, giving me the opportunity to interview you guys. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, man. absolutely. Hey. Yeah, thanks for having us. So it's been a hot minute since I've done an interview with folks that I'm not very familiar with. So bear with me as I work out the jitters of doing this. This is kind of my foray back into it. Thank you for that opportunity as well to kind of really get back into hammering out shows on a regular basis. I've been playing a lot of video games greedily and, um, it's a lot of fun. What can I say? I I made a short little clip actually that I posted to Facebook today, uh, with the lovely iMovie on my iPad. It worked after I cleared off a bunch of stuff. It was really funny. If you guys want to check that out, you should check it out, Dave. You, you have what, a good game, laugh. What games are you playing right now? Uh, Call of Duty. Yeah, the new one. Yeah, Modern Warfare. A little bit of Forza Four, but the problem is with Forza Four is I want to spend money to buy cars that I don't have that are included with the game, and that's just a bad thing right now. So I just stay. <laughs> Call of Duty's yeah, covered. I've paid for that already. Just that. keep playing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I have that one. I have a uh, Grand Turismo. I've been playing a lot too recently. I finally got into it. It's been a, a while, but I'm finally like loving it. So, so do you controller or do you use a steering wheel? Well, I know I controller, and like all of a sudden, I'm like looking at all these reviews. I was watching like 30 minute reviews of like you know $200 up to like $2,000 steering wheels. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I can get into this. This is like a black hole, you know. Um, <laughs> but it looks amazing. Like all these guys have like full virtual race car setups, you know. With like full direct drive steering wheels and pedals and all this stuff. And I was like, 
Damn. So, so did, did you Probably make not. a decision, Dave, on one or what? No, I haven't. I haven't. I've literally been looking this week, and I, I can't do it right now. Like, I just know, like, in the middle of this whole thing, that would be like, the, the, I'm looking back next year, like, what was I thinking? Yeah, three thousand dollars on first one. I'm I'm in the like the eighteen hundred dollar range if I build one, and that's have making compromises. What's that? You have a steering wheel? Oh no! But if I do it, like I'm in the eighteen hundred dollar range between steering wheel, pedals. Uh, you know, set up to actually put a seat on because I already have a, uh-huh. a seat. You know what I mean? So it's one of those, I want to do it, but that's my level of commitment to things, right? Like when, when, when it comes to my RC hobby, I tend to to buy the, the stuff that not necessarily is most expensive, but that I feel is the best investment. And that's how I am with everything. And unfortunately, that usually, as you go into bigger scale stuff, gets really expensive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Right? So um, I try and stay away from the racing games. <laughs> That's like literally the safest, the safest bet. Yeah, Call of Duty is pretty cheap so far. So right, right. There. A battle pass every fifty-four days, I can handle that. Yeah, no problem. Until you go VR with like the, you can get a, a gun or something. You know, you have like models of guns to hold in your hand. That'd be kind of cool. I like you know what the battle royale stimulus that they put out, where you know it's the solo. I tend to enjoy that because I could care less for the gulag. Um, oh, like the Fortnite kind of thing. I have, honestly haven't played that. I, I'm still doing like I filtered it so it's just like straight up classic team deathmatch. Oh, okay, <laughs> like uh, dude, on, yeah, you got eight, four on four. I'm still old school with it. It's not well. It's like Fortnite, but it's not because you can't build buildings. And like I've watched some pro streamers uh, lately, and the guys that do the Fortnite stuff, it's kind of like, yeah, that's no. Mm-mm. There's, yeah, I just don't have. I've seen. I'm like, I am not. That's like, I'm either, I mean, they're too old, or I don't know. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I've avoided it so much. But when you take that idea and then put it in Call of Duty, okay, I'm all over that. Now, if they would have made it like uh, any of the Call of Duties where you could run on the wall and the jetpacks and that, again, yeah, no, I don't want any of that business. No, they got they got pretty crazy the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm right. Glad they toned it down. <laughs> Thank you. This is like my favorite. I played the one player campaign too. It was awesome. It was I loved it. Me and my buddy were um, talking about that. Checking out co op and the this I haven't touched the campaign of the game yet. <laughs> oh, co op. Yeah, I forgot all about that. I wanted to do that, but then I was like, I'm not gonna find anybody. But yeah, but you should check it out. It was the graphics were amazing on, on PS4 Pro and it just looked awesome in four K. So Yeah, it does look good in four K when I steal the big television in the house. Yeah. <laughs> when my wife's working from the kitchen table, it doesn't go over so well because me occasionally yelling and being like, that's enough. Nope. Nope. He didn't kill me that way. That just didn't happen. But I'm in the gulag, so apparently it did. <laughs> All right. Enough about video games, folks. This is what happens, though, oh, with no, the NBM podcast. We tend to talk about everything and anything, and hopefully that gives everybody an example of uh, of how Dave's going to roll with it. I know Trenton didn't mention too much. Trenton, are you a gamer at all? <laughs> Um, I think I just discovered today the pigeon games on iMessage and oh, that's about it. Oh, well, <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. I mean, I, I think my last system was like, a uh, the Wii back in 2006 or something, seven, you know, you so, know what? Yeah. I'm no better. <laughs> I have a 13 year old Xbox. It's so bad. My buddy lent me a, a Xbox one X he wasn't using. He's like, no, no. He goes, you need this. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> yeah. I recently rediscovered, uh, I, I dug up like the old Monkey Island Lucasfilm games that I used to play in my teenage years. Oh, like I used to stay up till four in the morning playing, you know, Monkey Island or Zach McCracken. 
or Maniac Mansion. Um, there's some amazing old Lucasfilm games, like super pixelated, you know. Yeah. Really, really fun adventure games. Somebody shared Earthworm Jim that was back home, like Sega. Oh, I remember playing the crap out of that game when I'd rent it. Mom, I only have it for a few hours. I have to play. <laughs> My best game ever, guys. Right. My best game ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so for everybody wondering, uh, Dave actually has a bit of a, an RC background. He, he's been doing the hobby for a while himself. Um, so, so let's get into it a little bit, Dave, like, tell us about you and your, your hobby that's led into making a movie eventually. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm different than a lot of people in it and probably the same as a lot of people too. I grew up, my, my dad was like super into RC airplanes. So I grew up kind of like tinkering with like old gas engines kind of with him, you know, we did like, just, he used to like build them more than fly them, but we were kind of still in that world where like servos and radios and transmitters and all this kind of stuff even when i was like five and six um but he was strictly airplanes and then i think we had a cousin who had an rc car and we're like oh what you can just like do it on the ground and like it doesn't crash and you can just do it and it's fun like i want that i'm like so we got these little sears rc cars they were called lobos and they were like it was probably like 87 or 88 i'm you know kind of old i guess now um and so you know we kind of did these sears cars for a while until maybe i was 12 or 13 had my own money I've been doing chores and stuff, and I guess my first my first car, like first real RC car, was uh, the Tamiya Stadium Blitzer. Um, it's like my first kit. My brother got the Tamiya Blackfoot, so like these are you know these crappy old Tamiya cars, which kind of all they had back then. Yeah, but they're um, legends now. Like today, those I mean, are. I don't know, how old are you, Matt? I, I, when did you? I I don't know how familiar. I was born you are in '84. Okay, that's my my little brother's eighty four. I was seventy nine. My middle brother was eighty one. Yeah. So, kind of the same era. Yeah, um, you know, before tracks just took over and kind of like did everything like out of the box. You had to build everything. So, um, for me, it was like all Tamiya stuff. And we used to build you know dumb jumps in the front yard. Like you know, we got RC Car Action magazine like religiously then. So we would drool over the stuff, <laughs> you know, in there the racing and all that kind of stuff. We never really were a part of racing at all it was like just from a magazine standpoint um and that was before youtube and stuff so you couldn't really you couldn't watch this stuff you kind of had to just like look at some pictures in a magazine live through the magazine yeah right that was it you know like you couldn't i didn't even know where tracks were i had no idea it was like just do rc cars in our front yard jump off fences jump off our house sometimes like just kind of you know mess around with our little crappy tamias and that was it um I think maybe a two years later, you know, I went through phases. So we'd get it, we'd play with it for a couple months, we'd forget about it. And then like a year later, you're like, I want a new one, you know? <laughs> and so I think my next one I got was the uh, the Low-C LXT, like it's a the stadium truck. Yep. Um, before the Triple X. And this is, I don't know, probably mid-90s or something, or early 90s. And I, I, it was my first one. I really painted the body well. I got like a, a tuned motor for it. And... But again, like all we did was like my brother and I, I think he got the Traxxas Nitro Hawk, his first gas one. I mean, this is like classic oh, wow. stuff. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. It was, that was awesome one. That was like, that was, I was jealous of him. But we used to ride those, you know, again, in the parking lot. We would just like jump stuff around our house, around the canyons behind our house. I'm from San Diego. So there was lots of like BMX tracks and like dirt jumps in the back kind of canyon areas. So um, this is so funny. This is like my RC car history. Um <laughs> It was like off the cuff here. So, you know, it's perfect that though. It's so cheesy. <laughs> but so, this is no, know, it's not, kind of Dave. Stuff. Hang on. I hate to interrupt you, <laughs> but you got to yeah. understand something. 
This is actually what's so important because it's because of these memories, because of everything that off the cuff you are telling us that makes this movie everything that it is. People are going to hate on the movie because of this, because of that. And that's also because generally people just like to have a negative opinion because it attracts more attention than having a positive one. But these stories are why this movie happens. So don't feel like you maybe are missing something because you're not. I, I, I So far, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, and I have a bit of a background <laughs> that I'm reading. So you're good, man. Keep it going. All right. All right. I, yeah, you just don't know, like, what level, you know, people are into it now versus, like, the past. They have so. a fast forward button. Um, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So anyway, um, <laughs> I'm trying to see. So, you know, high school happened, and then high school, it was like I got more into, like, skateboarding, snowboarding, like, kind of, you know, more. Typical I guess you'd teenager say adult, stuff. Yeah. 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 And so it was less RC cars. I think by the time I got my actual driver's license, like when I was 16, like I was kind of, you know, on pause with RC cars. Yeah, RC car who? Um, it's just, it's but funny did you thing. see I went to Becky UCLA, from over so like two streets? Like, oof. Sorry. Yeah, you know, you're right? not really like, all of a sudden it's dorky, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. not like a I cool get thing. It. And uh-huh. it's just, you're kind of on to like, quote, bigger and better things, or so you think. Um, <laughs> so I would say, I would say my, my early RC car era was like, you know, 12 to 16, probably in there, you know, with those, those two cars pretty much. Um, and so high school happened, didn't really do many cars then. Uh, went to college, didn't really do any cars then. I think it was like maybe like a year or two, maybe a year after college. I was living alone again in LA and kind of like more bored, just had more time, not like in the college social scene. My brother and I were home um, for a Christmas break and just went to a hobby store for fun with my dad. And we saw, it was a Traxxas, the Rustler that came out. Like, you know, they're crappiest little, I don't want to say crappy, but it was pretty cool. Little Rustler stadium truck. And we're like, man, we haven't had cars in like, you know, six or seven years. Like, we should just get them. We asked for this for Christmas when I was like 21 or 22. (laughs) And like, my dad got this for us. And like, you know, we had kind of had been through a lot of life at this point since our last car experience. And so we're like, just, we just set out to build jumps at this point. We're like, we're going to go down the street and like build the biggest jumps we can and like just be as awesome as we can. And we were kind of like always in the BMX motocross world too. Like I rode a lot of dirt bikes. So right. for me, it was like, I didn't, I didn't want to bash my car and like just do a ton of flips and trash. I wanted to like land well, you know, I wanted to like repeat it over and over again and go for the biggest jump you could possibly do, but land it over and over, stay steady in the air, all this kind of stuff. It was actually pretty hard to do. Um, so we did the wrestlers for like a good six months off and on. Um, doing bigger, bigger jumps. And I think that we went through another phase. Then we kind of stopped doing wrestlers for a while. And then I moved to Nashville. My brother moved to Nashville. We both were there for a while doing music and photography. And I think we picked the wrestlers up again. My brother, I think, was the first one who got into it. He put like a brushless motor in the wrestler, which, you know, up the speed a lot. And we're like, oh gosh, this thing goes like, you know, 40 or 50 miles per hour now like we should jump it again you know so <laughs> they, were, they were getting a little older and we were kind of like had nothing to lose at this point and so this is the time we built our first actual ramp so we kind of just basically copied like a, a bmx style size that made out of like thinner wood um it was probably four feet tall by about six feet long and a pretty big lip on it um at this point you know we had seen one youtube video of a guy jumping over a house that was like a big big famous early one yeah i, I like, think i know which one you're talking about but didn't he flatland and like destroy the car you know, he flat, yeah he flatlanded it yeah because like, when it, it hit it was like <laughs> yeah it was, it was a gas it was a tiny scale gas yeah you know? and yeah. all we had was our little rustler yeah. um 
so it was like that was like kind of our inspiration of like we just want to jump massive but we want to land it you know so yeah and drive away the hard part was like finding it's it was hard because we had to look for like a really nice intro like a big piece of cement and like where do you land it right so we're looking for like grass embankments going down that was like the ideal thing like a 20 foot 45 degree grass come on city engineers we're just asking for conveniently placed landings no, I know. We would go scout. So my brother and I would be in Nashville. I had a pickup truck then. We would like throw the ramp in the back of the pickup truck and just scout for hours with our two wrestlers looking for stuff, you know. We, we found stuff that was like halfway decent. Um, and there was a couple jumps we probably hit at like 40 or 50. And even hitting that ramp, which is only like, it was three feet wide. We cut one foot off the four by eight sheet. Like, that's hard to hit that at like 40 miles per hour. Right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's like, <laughs> you know, so we, we hit it sideways a bunch. And like, it's not too forgiving when you hit something that fast. Like, no. Sometimes you measure. We have, I should show you some photos. Like, because I was, you know, doing my amateur <laughs> photography at that point and kind of doing that more. I had like sequences of the car going like, it was like 25 feet high off a three or four foot ramp, you know? Look at this um, one. It's going rest, good like, until there. <laughs> yeah, we loved it. It was, it was amazing. But like, you only got a couple takes before you break your A arm or something. Yeah. Every yeah. Jump. Um, and I think we kind of like peaked out there because I think I think what we decided to do is build even a bigger jump. Like we need a bigger jump that's like easier to hit. So we built a four foot wide by six foot tall, like massive jump. This is like almost freestyle motocross size. It took us like a whole day to build this thing out of like shitty wood from Home Depot. We had to put it in a trailer to bring it somewhere. And that was like the pinnacle. We did like two jumps with both our cars, like, you know, went massive on it and then like never landed it at all. It was just so hard to control. They were so light in the air. The wind just kind of carried them. Oh, I got a spot um, for you, buddy. Dude, I want I want to like find landing. So that was kind of it. And like we we stopped again, um, and that was like two thousand, maybe five or six. Um, then I got married right after that, and then it was like on pause again for I would say, gosh, five years, maybe six years, till around two thousand ten or so. And then my brother was living in Nashville. I was living in. I moved back to L.A. with my wife at the time. And my brother got an A-scale buggy, the first one our family ever had. And he started racing a little bit for fun in Nashville. And I had I'd never done this stuff. And he was, like, jumping more again. He's like, dude, we should, like, do more jumps. And I think you saw that YouTube video, right? That jump one. Yeah, did, yeah. Like, desert jumps. Well, that's when we did that. So we, we, like, went out to the desert. And at that point, I had, like, a bunch of GoPros and, like, kind of had some more ideas about stuff. And so we took it to the desert, made another jump, basically copied our first plan. And really started doing some like more freestyle kind of moves out in the desert and like really got into that for a while. Um, kind of going as big as we could at that point, but also trying to land it consistently. And, and I so would say I, I would wager that at this point, too, though, you know, you filmed that out in the desert, Dave, and you your interest in film was growing at the same time around that point. Right. You were doing your short films around then. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a whole other side of my life where, like, I was shooting a lot of, like, musicians and kind of growing my photography career, and, like, it was doing yeah. really well. It was, yeah. like, the exact part, a different part of the world, you know? It was, like, I was shooting rappers and like, in New York, and here I am, like, in the desert my brother doing RC car stuff, and there was, like, no, there was no bridging of that gap. You know? No. Like, RC cars were just a strict hobby, but I realized there was, like, nobody's, like, shooting these, like, in a cool way, like, I would watch the old Traxxas demo videos and they were just still so shitty. And I was like, like nobody's like treating this like an art form, you know? I love that um, though. You looked so, at something and said, I can do that. And I can do that better. Yeah. Right. Like oh, I'm not trying to like, shit on it completely, but I'm going to do it better. Thank you for the inspiration. <laughs> no, hundred percent. Like I remember thinking that my brother and I were like, let's just play around. And like, we never really flushed it out. Like we could have gone more with it, but again, there's just like, wasn't much money into it for us. We didn't really have like, we didn't know anybody in the racing world at this point still. We were just like two dudes and two cars, you know? Yeah. Um, so we just kind of did that for fun. And then again, 
like kind of put the whole thing in the back burner. Like he was back in Nashville. We didn't really do much with it. And this time I was like trying to write my first feature film to do. I, I had done a bunch of shorts and like, you know, my passion's always been filmmaking in some level from the time I was in college. And so I wrote this big script, a big adventure film in Arizona. It's like a treasure hunt thing. And like was trying to get some money for it. Never got any money for it. And I was like, you know what? I just like need to write a film I can do like here in California. It's like unique and I can just get it done myself, you know, without looking for funding. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was like, what can I do this like niche and just kind of like my story, you know? And I don't know why RC cars popped in my head of like, well, no one's, no one's done an RC car movie. Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, and if, if they did, it would probably be more from like the RC car world of like, you know, way less of the story, the plot, and drama, and more just RC car footage, you know? Yes. And so I was like, what if I did, like, a drama that, like, was kind of actually the opposite of that RC car demo video I did in the desert, in a way. It was kind of like, what if I did that, but like, downplayed the RC car footage, you know? And kind of almost made it like a backdrop to, like, just a very traditional kind of coming-of-age, figuring-out-your-life kind of story. Um, and so that's how it kind of started, really. It was, like, coming off the, the dust of, like, my feature, which never happened because it was too expensive, and just, like, well, all I do is dorky, you know, so I just wrote the dang thing probably in like three or four months. Um, and that was around 2015, I think. Um, and at that point, yeah, I had this little script and got Trenton together on it. And, you know, we went and made the film. <laughs> so that's kind of how RC cars brought me into it, I guess, in a, in a nutshell. Well, that was perfect. That's a good coming around. But it just it it actually ticks off a bunch of questions that I had had listed. I, I never imagined one question could really lead all the way through that many, but that's amazing. I'm not gonna even lie to you. That was incredible. <laughs> Dave, you could literally <laughs> retire from interviewing right now. Like you don't even Trenton, you don't like, bro, listen, I'm not taking anything away from you at all, but Dave don't need you, bro. Like he's, he's got this kidding, kidding. We have questions for yeah. Trenton too. Don't worry. We're going to talk to Trenton as well. Cause he plays in a, a very important role in getting this movie made. I'm sure of it. Uh, there, there's a reason why guys like him exist. Um, so, but before we get to Trenton, um, sorry, just sometimes, uh, I talk a lot to try and read and I can't actually read while I talk. And then it leads into me just flapping my lips for five minutes. So just let me take a minute here. So Dave, do you spend a lot of time on social media at all? At all? Like, do you monitor it? Like, uh, originally when the trailer finally came out, did you see anything from it or hear anything from it initially? Um, well, it's weird. I have my own photography directing one. I use like my commercial work that pays the bills. And like, I'm all over that all the time. Um, but with flying cars, like, it's weird. I guess I'm so insecure with filmmaking. Like I'm very secure in terms of commercial art. I've done pretty well in the last 15 years, but with filmmaking, I'm still pretty un insecure in terms of storytelling. So I think like in some level, like I let Trenton kind of run a lot of the social media um, just because, yeah, it's like, it's like hard for me, like in some way to take criticisms on there and people are pretty harsh sometimes mm -hmm. and it's fun to be engaged. Like I like to jump on every once in a while, but like I will say I've probably been more removed than I should. And also I think it's because the film hasn't been available yet. Like once it's actually like, Hey guys, you can go like buy it now instead of like in the future. I think I'll have a little more like motivation to kind of jump on the social media part of it. But right. I did notice we got a lot of attention from like a bunch of RC car stuff. Oh yeah, years ago and we posted it. Yeah, um, there, it was it was everywhere because I I actually because I co-host a, a second podcast uh, with a friend of mine, Tim Smith, okay. and he had actually brought it to my attention because with what I do for a living, I really don't check in on Facebook during the day. 
And if you uh-huh. don't check in on Facebook usually for like five to six hours, you are missing out on a lot of stuff, especially with the way it likes to manipulate what you get to see. So I hadn't seen it kind of circulate through some of the, the pages it was part of, and I had seen the trailer from it um, a few years ago, like when the trailer came out. Uh, but you know what I mean? So that kind of just made me wonder, like, do you, it's not a bad thing to be removed from it. I won't lie to you. And I, le- I like the idea of just to kind of remove yourself from having to worry about, and I shouldn't say worry about, but it just having to deal with the criticism. Because like I said before, people can be negative just to attract attention. Happens all the totally. time. Totally. I think this is like an RC car film that, again, a lot of RC car guys probably assume, just like I would if someone made like a motocross film or something, it's going to just be like all about awesome motocross shots, you know? Mm. Um, so when maybe the trailer isn't like that exactly, or like it's a little more vague, or like it's more about a relationship and not the RC cars, like I'm just expecting for RC car people to be a little surprised in some ways, or just be annoyed or something, you know? So I think I think I'm well aware of what the film isn't, isn't but yeah, I think it's just nice to like be away from some of that sometimes. Um, it gets in your head for sure. <laughs> Definitely. So bring us into how Trenton comes into this whole thing. How do you, how do you find Trenton or does Trenton find you or what's the story? I mean, Trenton, you can take this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer, Dave found me, but, but the answer now is I, I find Dave every day. Oh. I'm in line. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Dave. Um, well, at the time back when Dave had the script ready, I, had just premiered my first feature film, which was a documentary drama. And Dave knew people that had made the movie and came to our premiere that we hosted in Hollywood. And I think we, we grabbed lunch soon after that. Um, Dave, you know, wanted to just like chat about filmmaking and, and we had so many mutual friends. I think, you know, there's like 20 or 30 mutual friends we have in LA, but we had never crossed paths. And actually I think, you know, what was really interesting for me is, you know, as a producer, you try to be like really discerning about your commitments and where you put all your time and energy with developing and producing, especially an independent film where everything you try to do in an indie film is like the most difficult thing ever. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like, like it is rare that you just meet someone that has a million dollars for you to go make your movie or actors, you know, big name actors that want to, jump in or, or free cameras or free lights or, you know, locations. I mean, the whole list can go on and on. So, but what I liked about Dave right away is that he was just really practical and upfront about like his material, the script he had written. He was very open to how it needed to be shaped. He was open to, I think, I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I recognized in Dave was just, he's like a no holds barred, just like what you see is what you get guy. Mm -hmm. And so like, you can say things like, yeah, you know what? This kind of sucks. Let's work this out. And he'll laugh along with it and he'll figure it out. Like he's not, he doesn't have the kind of ego or, you know, uh, diva nature that some writer directors can, can kind of carry with them, you know? So we had a lot of fun with it. Shots fired. Right. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, so we actually had a lot of fun. One thing that we did like super early on in the process was we held a table read of the script just to kind of, uh, make sure that like we weren't too close to it, especially when you write and direct material. Like, you know, one thing that I always think about is, is the writer director just like maybe, maybe so close to it that they aren't seeing how things are going to look when you shoot it. So we, we brought in some placeholder actors and we, we had a fun time that night, just like reading through the script out loud and like making sure that like the lines, the dialogue actually sounded natural, you know, or where, where is this thing kind of slow and where, you know, where's this like not so paced well, you know? as it plays out. So we did that. Um, one kind of twist to the story though, is that I was not there on set for filming, which is very unique for me. Um, 
And I'm going to volley this one back to Dave as to pulling the trigger because uh, this was a unique situation. I had, I, we had every plan on finding an investor and, and really making this movie in L.A. And then I was working for a studio at the time and was called out to Atlanta, Georgia to work on a, on a movie that was going to take like 12 months to, to prep and shoot. Oh, man. And so Dave actually pulled the trigger um, to, to shoot the film in Los Angeles while I was in Atlanta. So that was actually – it was difficult for me in the sense of like, you know, sometimes I think like I could be in my best when it's actually the shoot. Um, you know, but so, yeah, so it was a very interesting experience for me. I was involved in development, um, some very light prep and casting conversations, and then kind of resurfaced during the, the middle of post-production and then really wanted to prove my worth, you know, to Dave and like keep that commitment, um, as far as distribution and sales, you know, which is, and, and release of course, which is where we're at now. So perfect. Look at that. So, Trent, do you, do you, have you done RC in any capacity at all in, in your... <laughs> no. You know, um, aside from, like, I think maybe one year Santa Claus brought me a remote-controlled, you know, little Jeep that my brother and I would play with on our farm in Northern Man, California. Kind of That's kind of the only... Yeah, I mean, but I had... Dave really enlightened me to this whole world. In fact, one thing that I am grateful for was while we were speaking with Team Associated and Traxxas and trying to find like a really solid uh, sponsor mm-hmm. who at least could, you know, partner with us to give us some product and, and, you know, let us use their brand. And, and so we could make this thing look as real as possible. Yep. Uh, Dave and I, you know, we, we were able to drive down together to Orange County to team associated associated's office. And that was kind of fun. You know, we were able to kind of like, so because of those journey, the, the drive and just because of those meetings, I was able to, you know, really start learning fast about this world. And, and then What's been really fun is like on the flip side, having a finished movie, I've like, I think I've learned the most just like Googling, Facebooking, reading blogs, like watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts. And it's been really fun. (laughs) Well, listen, you have one up on me. You've been, well, maybe the offices have moved since then, but you've been to the associated offices and, and associated them's my people. Those are, those are my... (laughs) Those are my long, yeah. I've, I've had associated cars, like, don't get me wrong, I have some Traxxas cars from when I first started in RC, but when I started racing and really fell forward head over heels, Associated's been my brand, and I'm so lucky to work with Associated and be a brand ambassador for them, and, and, and you know, this movie with them helping you guys make it, and, and that was awesome for me as a hobbyist. It's like, hey, that's Associated. And I looked at my wife, and I'm like, look, mm-hmm. I told you. Yeah. The, the, no. Yeah, they, they were, were they were like by far like the well, you know, they're one of the biggest too, which helps. We talked to almost every team, to be honest, and almost every big like distributor, like Tower Hobbies and A Main Hobbies, stuff like that. I mean, we were going for everything we could find, you know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are interested because you know it's it's kind of an easy pitch and least of interest in the first place. So at RC Car Company, it's like, hey, we're making the first narrative RC car movie. Like, do you want to be involved? And it's like, uh, we don't know much about it, but tell us more, you know? Yeah, we're listening. Everyone at least was, yeah, everyone like wanted to listen, you know? But at the end of the day, like, it's just a lot of, you know, like we were trying to raise actual money to fund it, you know? And I think nobody at the end of the day was willing to fully go in with that. So Associated was like by far the most like, you know what, we can't like fund this, but like we're going to give you every like resource and benefit and like help we can outside of like funding the actual movie, you know? Um, which was awesome. And so I just felt like they were the most receptive, most like partnering team we talked with. So when we kind of chose who to work with, it was like, 
kind of a no-brainer for us. Um, and they, they, the whole team was awesome. We met down there in their, I think it was Lake Forest office, and it was like, you know, like a kind of executive desk and mm-hmm. team associate. I've never been there either, you know, and like getting to see like all the old products and like old RC10s and stuff and like little kiosks and stuff were in there. It was so cool. And like the whole, you know, like five or six of the executive guys come in there and like kind of interview us and like, <laughs> it was cool. Um, yeah. So that was like That's a awesome. highlight for me of like, Again, like I'd never been in the racing world, but Team Associate was like the biggest one since I was a kid, you yeah, know. So team like Associated. finally yeah. like coming into like the office and like I was like, This is kinda cool. Like you know, you have you remember Brian Kinwald? He was like yeah, you know, the, yeah. Brian Kinwald was like the biggest guy. And like, you know, I always dreamed about like what it'd be like to be like him and like, you know, be sponsored and stuff. So it was just kinda cool to like you know, a little bit of that world and all of a sudden they're like giving us R C cars and like letting us use their logos and like giving us their team drivers and like it was just kinda felt cool. Like I kinda skipped like Having to earn my way in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I like went into the back door. Um, so yeah, that was cool. Associated was awesome. They, they're still awesome with it. They've been really, really great. So they are. I, I, I love them over there. They've been great to me. And and Trenton, if you're ever wondering if you ever bored and have free time, look up Brian Kinwald. That that man was an innovator. He he <laughs> did right. so much for the hobby. It's crazy. And he just died, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, he passed away. He he was plagued with with medical issues, I believe, his whole life. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Rest in peace, Kinwald. Mm-hmm. Rock on, buddy. Yeah, he was like the man, man. Growing up, he was like the guy. <laughs> Freaking right. So I, I gotta ask, what's Trenton's biggest takeaway from this whole like RC narrative movie making? Like, what what did what have you taken from the whole process? The whole pro- I mean, honestly, I think it's one of the smartest projects I've worked on because of the hyper niche audience and because of like the the way that we sort of bent the genre of, you know, it's it's a little bit of a rom-com, but it's it's definitely a drama. But you've got this like adventurism and escapism through the movie. And then you have, you know, through the plot, you've got you've got this uh, action movie uh, element to it. I mean, some of the ways that our cinematographer and Dave, you know, put the camera on the cars and like the angles they chose or like some of the race moments, like, you know, they, they did their best to like give it that, that extra, oomph, you know, that extra dynamic. And so I think that start to finish and where we're, you know, really keeping our fingers crossed when this thing comes out on uh, Tuesday, the 19th is that I just think that there's not a lot of movies out there that are this niche, you know, and I think that helps cut through a little noise. I think that, you know, in a world where there's just, I don't even, I can't even write a full list of all the platforms that are available for you to watch a movie or catch a TV show. Right. Everything's (laughs) growing. So yeah. So it's just nice to like be a part of a film that knows its audience and then like chose just such a narrow lane, you know, to tell that story. And, and that's on Dave, you know, for the way he wrote this thing, the way he shot it, like that's, what's been really fun for me. If Trenton, if you ever need like, you know, uh, an extra, if you ever have extra time and you want to co-host cause you're really good at, you know, doing that whole transitioning thing with bringing up dates and things like that, like bravo, <laughs> that was beautiful. Like, cause I was trying to figure out where I was going to jam it in eventually, but I didn't have to, this guy got it covered for those of you wondering why the whole process, we're getting to know these guys so much is because I'm thoroughly convinced as you get to know them, hear their story and have interest, then you want to know how you can get whatever they are doing, which is the movie we're talking about. And it's available for pre-order. I'm going to let Trenton fill in on all the platforms it's available for pre-order. I've already pre-ordered it on my Apple, um, my, my phone. I just went in the whole, anybody wondering, it was so easy to do, it was ridiculous. I kid you not. 
Like I literally I went mean, into where is it? Hang on. What what do they call it on an iPhone here? T- uh, t- yeah, TV. Literally click on the TV button, go in there, type in f- Oh, we lost Dave. Type in flying cars. You'll find the movie. Do you want to um pause it for a second? Yep. Do a pickup. Okay. <laughs> Where'd he go? Where'd he go? I decided not to edit this out because it was pretty funny. So we call him back. And add. Okay, I just added him. It's dialing. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. Party killer. It's all, all right, good. I went to go see that TV app. I was doing it for my fun. That's it's all good. <laughs> Appreciate. It. Yeah. So for anybody wondering, I went on like the TV app on my phone and I typed in flying cars and boom, it was there. I pre-ordered it. Uh, but Trenton, what are the other platforms available? Yeah. So we've got Apple iTunes, which, you know, can be confusing because now it's being called Apple TV. And they're not referring to that little black box that some people have in doubt. So Apple iTunes, May 19th, pre-orders just for Apple iTunes available now before May 19th. And then on Tuesday, May 19th, you'll be able to find the movie on Apple iTunes, on Google Play, and on Amazon Prime or Amazon Video. You can just go to the search bar, type in Flying Cars. It'll be ready for you. And the actual good news that I don't think we've been able to, to announce or really kind of communicate is that the movie is actually available Tuesday, May 19th in 63 countries. So oh, wow. it's not just like the United States. It's not just Canada and the United States. We're, we're premiering in USA, Canada. We're premiering in Europe, South America. Uh, we've got some Asian Pacific countries. We've got a few places in Africa and the Middle East. So yeah, it's South actually, Africa. yeah, it's really exciting for us um, to have it in 63 countries. And, <laughs> and inevitably there's going to be a country where someone out there wants to see the movie and might not find it. But in those cases, somehow stumbled across my podcast (laughs) because that happens. If I could show you the demograph, this thing hits sometimes I've even, I've, I've looked my wife flat in the face and went, does that say, does that say the country that I think it says, can I be arrested for them listening to me in that country? Like, (laughs) I'm not trying, you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. And so if you are out there in some country that doesn't have this available on those platforms, please reach out to us. Find us on Facebook, Flying Cars Film or Instagram, and we will work out a way to get you the movie. We want to be sure that everyone can enjoy this film. And, you know, by no means do we want to block anyone else after waiting all this time. So let's talk about that real quick, Dave. What's it been like to get this all said and done? Because it's been a long endeavor, has it not? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Um, you know, I can go as detailed as you want in this. Um, it's a long saga, but, you know, we shot it in 2016, summer of 2016. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, I have to pay the bills on the side, you know, doing my actual day job, which is photography, directing, commercial stuff. Um, and so, and I have kids. I have two kids. So I got kids to feed. And my son was just born, like, gosh, a month after we shot this thing. So, a lot of life changes happened right after I shot it. We spent, I think, three or four months doing a rough cut. Then we had to reshoot a couple scenes. We wanted to kind of correct a few things. Um, and then it was probably like another year at least of doing like cut after cut. Like then we had to do sound design and then we had to do a score. And it was like, so it's like every step of the way it was like, oh, let's find, we need to find someone for this, you know? And then like we'd do it and three months would go by and we, oh, we need this now. And it was kind of like, you know, if we had like a big budget all up front and like everything kind of built in the, the whole thing at once, it would have just been like a, you know, a six or eight month project. But 
I think the nature of it, just trying to like fund it piece by piece for me um, during my day job with families kind of stuff that it was just, it just took a while, you know, and finally we had the whole thing wrapped up. We did a film fest premiere uh, last, oh my gosh, June, which is crazy. And then, wow. you know, then it premieres a film fest and we like did a couple film fests in the circuit and like really tried to like sell it there and get distributors there. And so we talked to a bunch of people and like, it was this whole kind of thing where everyone's like, well, give us this month and we'll do this. And you just kind of, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, another eight months has gone by, you know? Yeah. And so out yeah. of like a studio to just take it and like release it from the beginning, it's like, you're just kind of like chasing and like editing and tweaking and like, you know, it's just like a process. I don't know how to describe it, but, um, for sure it took me like two extra years than I thought it would be to really get it on the market. But, um, yeah, I mean, here it is. It's crazy that it's been that long, you know. Um, I think I think what we learned changed a little bit. Yeah, I, I, that's true. I think what we learned in this process, and something I'm continuously learning, is in independent film, the the the, the secret, the key to maintaining a a faster than not timeline is to, with every step of the process, you have to make sure that you're not waiting on more people's permission than what you're just taking charge of yourself. Right. And I think we. There's just, you know, little micro stories every step of the way. But the biggest one was with, you know, film festival season and then distribution. The, sometimes, you know, you you feel you go out, you pitch. But the minute that some of these people are taking more than two or three weeks to get back to you, you just have to keep moving on. You know, you just have to kind of call yeah. it. And yeah, so we got to that place and we we figured out the right avenue for this one, you know, for this for flying cars. Well, I'm glad it's spot. worked out. That's for sure. At least we're getting to see it. Because the the fear sometimes set, sets in for us as hobbyists when we hear about something like that and then it doesn't come out and we're all like, uh oh, did it? Yeah, did it happen? No. Uh, so I yeah. was super excited <laughs> to to yeah. know that it that it happened that it actually really really happened. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Sometimes people you know do a trailer and it's kind of like, wait, was that a real movie or is that kind of like their concept? Like, is that like a real thing that happened or is that just kind of like a dream? You know, um, so. Yeah, I think with a couple of years go by, it's like, oh, that that never happened, you know. But it's like, oh, no, it, it was made, and here it is. So that's kind of a cool thing to finally, you know, tell the community out there, like, it's live, guys. <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah. um, we actually had a pretty dynamic premiere, too. Last June, we were with the Dances with Films Festival, but the festival's hosted every year at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. And so we, it was just this, like, crazy ironic day where we were just laughing at the fact that here's this like movie that's been made over the course of three years with blood, sweat, tears. And then we get to play it at the Grauman Chinese theater, you know, like, yeah, that's pretty how, cool. <laughs> how many filmmakers get to do that? And I think the only, the only downside of that was just that the movie they, they aired us, they played us on a Sunday, like at, I don't know, 5 PM or something like that. And, you know, a lot of people, we try to push that word out. So, Having it digital and online is like huge for us, you know, for all these people that have been waiting. There's a lot of people that have been extremely patient, and we definitely want to say thank you to a lot of those people. Um, so well, it'll be nice. Tuesday will be nice. I, I know for sure there was a lot of buzz about it when the first uh, little push came. Uh, pretty much around the same time you guys reached out uh, to me a little over, what was it, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago almost? Um, yeah. I, I seen it on social media, so there was a good buzz about it, which was really, really encouraging. Um, and I did actually reach out to, uh, the audience and sometimes it's hit and miss. So I got two questions this time and I, I, I might've missed some cause I kind of went share crazy with it and I'm still not the greatest at managing social media. So I feel like I missed them even though I felt like I checked on all of them, but we'll see. 
Uh, I'm sure I'll get called out or a message from somebody. Hey, I asked about... Anyway, my bad. Apologize. Apologize. We'll chase you in the <laughs> comments. You know what? When this when this episode comes out, and especially on Tuesday, we will find the podcast post and we'll be sure to answer any additional questions. Well, and that, that? With, with that being said as well, folks, um, the post for the podcast will contain the links for you to be able to go and pre-order it uh, on the Apple uh deal i'll find the link for it appropriately so it doesn't matter what platform you're on it'll get you there um, and then once it's actually live for purchase on amazon and google play i will update the description with the links there for you so you just don't have to go searching for them they'll be there for you to easily access them uh, but scooter scott wanted to know if it was straight to video or going to theaters well now we know the answer it's already been in theaters at movie festivals and it is going to be out on digital platforms that we just us google play apple and our good folks over at brainfart.com <laughs> what's no seriously what's brainfart. the other one yeah no google, amazon oh amazon, amazon yeah <laughs> I, I forgot about amazon i thought you were I, making a joke about oh my god that was funny no i literally forgot oh, about man. amazon the worst part is i use amazon all the time <laughs> to buy stuff yeah. <laughs> Definitely not a spokesman for them. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Good friend Chris Trudeau, a uh, longtime listener, wants to know Was Remote your favorite movie? Dave, have you seen that movie, Remote? Wait, is that okay? Is it <laughs> so? When I was like looking at through this, like this is probably just like six months ago. You know, I was convinced this is the first RC car movie ever made, right? Like, that's what I, I thought, you know? Yeah, they think, I came across I think. one. I think it was maybe we were talking about like. I want to say it's like a, a horror movie from like the mid eighties or something like really random, like weird thing where like always RC vehicles are attacking people. Is that true? I think I maybe like watched a part of it. I was like, Oh, I don't like, know, but I'm like, going to have to find, let me, write I that think down. that's Hang what he's talking about. Cause I saw it and I was like, I guess we're not the first. And also I was like, this is like not, I mean, in my prideful way, I'm like, that's not only an RC car movie, but it totally had RC cars in it. Like I think maybe even RC planes, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure people. he like flew a plane. He drove a car. Like, yeah, he terrorized I, I, those I people with them. In the last like six months, actually, I'd never even heard of it until like literally like doing post production on my computer last year. <laughs> I somehow ran into it like on Amazon or something. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I've watched so, it before. Um, of course, I found out about it. I'm like, I, oh, I have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get through it all the way, but I, I skimmed it. I was like, I okay, well. I wouldn't say this is competition, but it's interesting. No, definitely. <laughs> Listen, so the, the reason why, and I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, why hasn't Matt asked more about the movie? Because I don't want to spoil the movie. That's the reality, and I'm a talker. So that's why. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to avoid it. But I, I am interested in the whole aspect of the, the story to it. Like, I... I appreciated the whole story of it. Like I, I was cool that there are RC cars in it and that kind of did what it did and, and everything. See, that's what I mean. I don't want to even want to go down this path because I'm going to probably spoil something. <laughs> I mean, I think you can say safely it's about a guy who, you know, kind of has his life set out for him in a way when it yes. starts. And, and this answer, this about, hobby about to, answers a lot of married, questions you know? for him. And so like he's about to get married. <laughs> he's about, he has this job he doesn't really like and he's kind of like, not doing what he loves and for him like falling into this hobby is like it's just a metaphor for like he needs to really figure out what he wants in life you know and this hobby is a way that like it kind of breaks him into that path the way he should, probably should have gone in the first place but it like, does it like um, subconsciously you know yeah. i don't think he realizes he's on like a journey to better himself by kind of getting into this hobby um so for me personally i was going through a lot of the same stuff and 
my life and relationship I had. So it was like that feeling of like, yeah, like there's something more out there, like, and there's just a feeling of wanting to escape, you know, like in relationships. And like, I kind of like took, I didn't do that myself in my relationship, but it was like, what if something like this had happened, you know, and would I have made the same choices and how would I, would I have let myself kind of unwind like Drew did the movie? So <laughs> it was more of just like, it was like a, a fantasy of like my own life in a way. Um, and I kind of let it play on the screen, I guess, you know, much to uh, the chagrin of my wife at the time. But <laughs> Nailed it, Dave. Yeah. You answered the exact, it, you listen, know? you said it exactly how I would have liked everybody to kind of understand it. And I was well, hopeful yeah, like that it could that be said that way in front of your wife. And she reads it. You're like, she's like, huh, which, which girl am I in this? You're like, well, you know, <laughs> a little, little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still standing in front of you, aren't I? Oh boy. So anyway, uh, yeah. At, at some point in our relationship, you were this girl. Yeah. And then other points of our relationship, you were that girl. What I'm trying <laughs> totally, to say, totally. dear, Sorry, is honey. you're the best of both worlds. I love you. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I will say, too, like, I'm not going to say what happens in the end or anything, but like, we did shoot an alternate ending. Um, oh, which no. Ended way. A very different way. It ended a very different way um, and kind of did some audience tests and like overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly got feedback in one direction and that's oh they took poo poo on the other one uh, did they oh totally <laughs> um so you know i don't blame yeah, them if you would have went that way i would have been horribly disappointed <laughs> horribly disappointed yeah it, it just was like yeah so you know that's how it is when you write a script well, you have like an idea you just kind of go for it and honestly it can almost end either way but very just true feels more yep. right you know yeah and and i think it just felt more right where we ended it so that's yeah. kind of and you know i but i'll say that it is uh in a sense, an anti-hero story, or it kind of, it's a film, it's a story that highlights how we are our own worst enemy. You know, there's all these movies where there's got to be a villain or there's got to be, you know, some kind of pushback and antagonist that's out there to get you. But I mean, in real life, that's just ourselves. It's like the way we want to spend our time, the way we want to treat other people. And so I really love that Dave highlighted that and was really honest that way through the character of Drew, our, our lead character. Played by Jeremy Schwitzy, who's this awesome actor that we just... He's actually a Canadian, uh, to highlight that on this show. Drew is pretty um, awesome. But, I'm calling yeah, him Drew just for the ease he, of everybody. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure thing. Sure thing. And then, yeah, he, he really brought it, and it was fun. I, I really enjoy the narrative with Drew. It yeah, he's, he's definitely, like, he's not, like, he doesn't make the best choices, for sure, you know? like. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Not, I would not at all. Um, Reckless. Reckless. Loved it. Yeah, a little reckless. He's kind of like a man-child in a way. Every um, moment of it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, now reflecting on it after talking to you guys, I just realized how much better it really is. So I really, cool. I can't wait to watch it for a second time. It, it, listen, folks, I was explaining to these guys before, I, I measure how I like a movie based on how much time I spend on my phone. I only check my phone for one text message. So... That's that's all I got to say about it. I checked a text message and I went back to watching the movie. And believe it or not, I actually paused it when I went to use the restroom. So that says even more about the movie. Because I usually don't. Yeah. I'll let I'll let stuff play through. Because like you know, remember how I said earlier, there's a fast forward button. Well, there's a rewind button too, so I can go back. <laughs> True. You know what I mean. Well, so. And actually, maybe I'll maybe I'll throw a twist in here, but ask you a question if you don't mind. Yes. Um, and that would be, you know, as somebody like yourself who's immersed in the RC world and you know, could has every reason to be suspect about 
how we feature the races and the jumps and just the culture of that world. How do we do? What letter grade would you give us? And you can be honest here, you know, like we're, we're open to that feedback. And that's something we're going to be looking out for next week too. But we're talking to you right now. I'm going to be dead honest. I'm going to say for the aspect of his involvement and his learning curve, I would say he did a solid like B plus in, in that aspect of it where it felt a little nice. weird for me. And I'll be honest because I wanted to ask you this is like, why'd the hobby shop owner have to be such a dick? We don't have to, we don't have to discuss anything else other than that. Why do you got to be such a dick? I know it's weird. I, I, I kind of envisioned him like more. He used car salesman. I, I don't know why. I think I had this like, I don't know, like Eugene Levy kind of like vacation from 1980s movie. Like I would have been way like, more comfortable with like slimy, but he was mean. I didn't like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I was a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. I think it's not it doesn't paint RC cars and like the best. It's a very fair light, you know, I think. Yes. Like, but that's what I mean. Like, and that's why I say like. For for everything considered for for the whole thing in a whole package, that's why I say like there's a B plus there because this it's not designed to be an all in depth learn everything about an RC car and what goes into the RC car. It was really designed to be a full feature length movie that kind of enveloped uh, a hobby and how it can kind of encompass and consume you. Exactly, and I, I just think like. If an RC car person wants to see, like, watch it and be like, oh, it's going to tell me why RC cars are the best things ever, like, it might not say that. It'll say, like, they're pretty interesting. But, you know, I think, yeah, I didn't fully go, like, 100% RC cars will save the world, you know? Um, and so. <laughs> they will, I, though. I, I, I'm telling I, you right I, now, you put a controller in a grown man's hand or even a grown woman's hand that's willing to at least try, they're smiling by the time they're done. <laughs> oh, yeah. You put them in an sure. A scale buggy and you're like, you run a dirt lot and go to town, man, and, like, Everyone wants to do that. Like everyone in the casting crew is like, I want to do that. I'm like, uh, if you break this car, we can't do the next scene. So no, sorry. <laughs> so, okay. But, so th I was, I wasn't going to ask, I'm not trying to tie you guys up too, too much longer, but like how often the, the, did the car get broken? Because I know you guys had some pros driving it. How often did the actors actually have to drive them? And how often did that end up with destruction? Oh, here's the, th I mean, th that's like a whole conversation. Like to me, that was the most stressful part of the movie, honestly, was getting these cars to, to do their thing. And that's a little bit of, like, credit to Team Associated for, like, they've seen the movie, like, they've approved it, like, in terms of, like, they're good with it, you know? And, like, like their, their cars break in it, you know? But Yeah, but cars break. Of, they break, you know? Like, and I'm glad they just had enough, like, yeah, just sense to be, like, okay with that. They gave us, I think they gave us, like, four or five cars in the end, which, you know, seems like a lot, right? But... Some of these jumps for like, <laughs> yeah. you know, jump is like you can, you, you can, you have, you might have three or four tries. And then like after, you know, a couple of days of filming, you're like down to three cars and you're like, well, shit, you're trying to piece them together. And like, <laughs> nah, we're taking the arm off this one, put on this one. So by the end, yeah. we just had like a couple Frankenstein cars left, you know? And so like, I, I can't talk no, about no, the No, no, not that anything, one. No, like, no, there's, there's that can't big, jump. A just straight jumps, lines. A couple big jumps though that like, <laughs> basically it's like, let me just say like we had like, we we're down to like one and a half cars, you know? And so it's like, if we miss the jump, and like, don't do any, if we miss the jump and the car breaks, like this, the, we don't know what to do, you know? So it was oh, like man. super stressful. And like, so we had, I would say 70% of the driving was done by, um, two guys, Jake Mayo from Associated and Cameron Neff, um, who was kind of a, a freelancer at that point. He did a lot of like local racing and he was awesome. So between the two of those guys, that was pretty much most of our driving. 
um, for like the bigger jump stuff. And I mean, they pretty much nailed at least hit the land there, hit the jump. Like I would say, like eighty percent of the time, only one or two times they actually miss it bad enough to like have to redo the shot. You know? Yeah. Um. So, but it was super stressful. Like I was like dying over that, and I was the one maintaining the stuff. Like, we didn't have a maintenance crew, so like they would like break the cars, and they'd be like, "All right, we have to go home." And so it'd be up to me that next day, like as I'm trying to like prepare the actor to get the script ready, I'm like tinkering on set the next morning, like trying to get some <laughs> stupid A-arm fixed in front of the whole crew and cast. I'm like, what's this guy doing? Like no one else could do that on set. So can somebody get me a times, two millimeter driver, please? Come on. Totally nobody. Everyone's just like, huh? This guy's killing like, this me. Guy's crazy, you know? And so like it'd be up to me to like get these dumb things working. A lot of the shots weren't like jumping, they were just a car moving. So they always had to be like moving. And a lot of times I'd be like offset, you know, steering it while our actor had the controller kind of faking it or they own Jake or Cameron would be doing it too. So yeah, like if you got a million dollars a day budget or something, you have a whole team and it'd be no brainer, you know, yeah. but like, this was just like, that was like the most stressful part where by the end I was like, I can't look at another a scale buggy for like a year or two, you know, <laughs> like I was just so, I just have them in my garage too. I have like these Frankenstein cars in my garage. I'm just like, I don't, you I, need, I need to take some photos of those, man. I got it, man. We should, get, we should do like a giveaway for those, you know? Like, oh, my like, goodness. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, hey, listen. Yeah, props yeah. the movie. You got to be, well, yeah. There's problems with giveaways. This is, See, this is what I hate sometimes. Some people just enter it just because it's a giveaway. It is whatever it is. And then you get guys like me that enter them because it's like, to me, it's like, like you guys can't see behind me, but my friend Tim Smith was on the White Rabbit Project on Netflix. He was actually on the 10th episode. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Nice. So they blew his car up at the end of it because he didn't achieve the goal that they were set out to try and I actually have the pieces of the blown up car and another one of his speed run buddy because stuff like that to me, so like that Frankenstein car that was in a feature length movie, I would love a giveaway. And I'd probably get in a lot of trouble, especially if it was like a buy tickets kind of giveaway. But I would that I'm the kind of some other guy might just want to run it and never you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. your decision like to make. I'm, just... <laughs> I'm having listen. Yeah, I'm having anxiety over garage. what you're gonna do if you do something with ways. it. I have like bodies. I have shells. I have like lots of random stuff. You could probably find. It'd be kind of cool. You got to do that. Take photos of it at least and post it. I know there's a lot of people in the community that love that kind of stuff. But before I let you guys go, I want to ask the both yous, have we missed anything that you want to make sure we mention? Obviously, we do need to make sure everybody goes out and pre-orders on the Apple TV app and, and gets your pre-order in. And if you don't go that way, make sure you go to Amazon and Google Play or whichever one you use or both. Buy two copies of it. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Crap, you could buy three copies of it. Apple, Google Play, and Amazon. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Nobody would be upset whatsoever. You're just padding all your resources. What if Amazon shuts down in a year? You never know. Um, yeah, you never know. But those are all the platforms um, you us, can go and get you know, get it on. But yeah, what do you got, Trenton? What have I possibly missed? Because I know there's lots, and I know you guys are on, on time with other things as well. So, Sure thing. Honestly, the only thing I can think of that's just very – very supportive to especially independent films is rating the film and reviewing it on these platforms. So I don't care if you want to give the movie two stars, one star, whatever, or five stars, like what, however you imprint with the movie, what, whatever it speaks to you or doesn't didn't do for you. Every interaction like that, every star, every comment helps just push this movie kind of higher on the list because I've said it earlier, it's so saturated out there. And like just, we spent three and a half, four years, finishing this film and so for us the biggest thing is interact with it rate it um on each of those platforms 
and it, it'll just give the movie a boost so that more more people can know that a movie like this exists. You hear that, folks? Rate it and review like it. it. It's not difficult. I find myself doing it more and more nowadays. I know that's how a lot of metrics and a lot of videos are pushed uh, on many platforms. So interact with them, make a comment, like them, share them. Uh, A lot of platforms actually will really mess with your mojo if you put the things like comment, like, share in text. Um, Shame on you, Facebook. Yeah, I called it because they do that. (laughs) Bastages. Um, But... Remember that if you're listening to this through your earphones, anytime, anything you have an interest in, take the minute to do it. It helps every content creator. It helps these guys, independent filmmakers. And with that being said, I want to say a big thank you to both Dave and Trenton for taking time to join me on the podcast tonight um, and and talk about this movie that's coming out on Tuesday, May 19th. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, Good luck. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it, man. This is great. Really do appreciate it. All right. So with that being said, folks, I'm going to go and take another break and come back. Believe it or not, friend, old co-host Mike wants to have a chit-chat and and have my feelings on on the interview process. So this should be an entertaining conversation that Mike and I are about to have. You're not going to want to miss it. Even better for Dave and Trenton to know that this show will be live tonight. Got gotcha, you. Nice. That's awesome. All right, folks, we'll be back right All after right. this uh, this wonderful break. I'm not sure if it'll be music. I'm not sure if it'll be an advertisement. It might just be dead air, and I'll be back. Who knows? We'll find out in a few minutes. Cow RC, the radio-controlled maintenance king since 2008, providing the RC community with the world's best pit mats, park trays, performance aerosols, and much more. Through smart design, superior performance, and 100% made in the USA, CowRC products are a real value. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Follow CowRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or order direct at CowRC.com. Save 10% with code IMOVE. That's code I-M-O-O. CowRC. Maintenance King. that song because one of the many times that the person that's on here with me right now him and I have went out and had a good time that song may or may not have been playing once or twice or three or four times but guess who's back back again Mike is back tell some friends hello Matthew dude bro's back he's back what's up so bro yeah, what's going on? I, I hear you got some exciting news or something going yeah, on. Yeah, I just got done interviewing uh, Dave and Trenton. Um, so Dave wrote and directed Flying Cars, and Trenton uh, was the producer. And all I can say is this. is It was super awesome to interview those guys. 
I feel like anybody who hasn't seen the movie will hopefully want to see it after hearing that interview, and I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. But it was kind of cool. I, uh, yeah, from everything you've said, uh, it's definitely better than expected. Can I, we say that? Yeah, yeah. I can't, yeah, way better. Like, I was super, well, you know what I get, how I get, right? Like, I get nervous and anxious, and sometimes I get so anxious about stuff that I cancel. Like, I go full lockup mode where I won't even do it because I'm worried it's just going to turn into a big heaping pile of turd. Um, like groceries? Yeah, like groceries earlier today. Like full lock up. I literally get ready to go to do groceries this morning and full lock up anxiety attack. It was like I looked at I looked at Holly putting my shoes on. I'm like, I can't go do this. And she goes, What do you mean? I'm like, Nope. I can't. I said to her, I said, I literally feel my heart like my heart's gonna like trying to jump out of my chest. Like my skin's crawling, like no. So I just chilled out and played some video games with Mike, and, and that was fun. And for those of you that haven't seen, I, I put a little short trailer together. Um, it's it's avail- awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's available on my Matt Moose uh, Housen uh, Facebook page. Uh, I know I've talked a little bit about that, the whole push behind that, and that's just kind of my my lifestyle page. So everything I'm doing from podcasting to RCs to uh, video gaming to eventually if I stop being late, actually I shouldn't say stop being lazy. If it actually gets warm enough that I don't have to turn the furnace on in my garage and or wear like uh, long, <laughs> long johns. Up. Yeah. Like it's been like, and I don't know if it's maybe just what I've done for a living for so many years, finally having its ill effects on my extremities, but like my feet are always cold. My hands get cold easily. Like, so it's just, if it's not warm, out, I really don't want to go out there unless I have to be out there, and I don't have to be out there for anything right now. So, um, bro, it's called old age. I know. Anyway, we're not talking about that right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I got I got to work on on that. But that's why that's all on there. But um, yeah, dude, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Oh. I feel I feel like it was a good interview. Everybody's gonna enjoy it. Did you find your coffee filters? Oh no, they're somewhere lost oh. in shipping. Oops. Well, that's terrible. So what's yeah. on your plan for the for this evening? Because I think uh, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to uh, edit this up really quick. I'm going to post it to Podbean, so that way I can be the first show up. I was the first first show, so landed the first interview. So timing is going to be key. I don't believe they start their next one until eight thirty, uh, which is ten minutes from now. So as long as we wrap this up in ten minutes, I can slap everything together real quick. Bang bang, poster up. Nice. We'll. Uh, First to the market, folks. I'm I'm so well, appreciative of that opportunity. Watch. Oh, that's yeah, man. When you were telling me about it, I was like, that's I was stoked, dude. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, man. And I pre-ordered it, and I'm gonna have it on Tuesday, and then on Tuesday, we can watch it. Dude, what? we should have a Facebook live, like us watching it. Like, is that allowed? No. Why? Because we'd be streaming it. Well, unless. No, I wouldn't want to do that just to avoid. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Uh, like a watch party. I know. It would be cool if we could do that. But unfortunately, dude, that th- it's going to be available in like 63 countries on Tuesday. Like it's big. Like it's going everywhere. So It's gone worldwide, bro. Worldwide. As Pitbull would say. What do we see from? <laughs> 808? No. That's an 808 drum. Um uh, that's awesome, though. Yeah, man. So when does it come out? What day is the release date? May 19th, next Tuesday. A day after like, my soon-to-be 13-year-old daughter's birthday. Nice. And that's on, like, uh, Prime? It, it's going to be available. Uh, so on Tuesday, the Amazon Prime 
link and the Google Play link will be in the description of the podcast. And once I post the show, the pre-order link for Apple will be in the description. So those are the three Perfect. platforms it's available on. And then you need to comment that you heard about it on the movie reviews. You got to say, I heard about this movie from the MBM podcast. podcast. I'd appreciate that. And that's the other thing that Trenton and Dave would really like. If you guys could do is, uh, once you watch the movie or even before you watch the movie, they don't care if it's like a one star rating. They don't care if it's five star rating. Um, they would just like you to rate it and even give some feedback about it. It does help in the overall scheme of how, uh, movies get ranked and it being an independent film and being funded out of Dave's pocket, uh, I can understand, you know what I mean? Him wanting to try and, and hey, get listen, a, even if it's negative feedback, like, no, I don't want to say negative feedback. Negative feedback isn't what no, they're constructive you know, criticism. No, 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 no. I said it earlier in the show. And this is the reality is, is people thrive on making negative comments because negativity grabs attention. And that's uh, fine because a lot of people need the attention in their lives. It's it's totally fine. Yeah. You want to put negative comments out there or say negative things and, and just overall be shitty. Then that cool. Do what you got to do, but you. that's not yeah, the way exactly. I'm going to do my thing. You know what I mean? So go ahead. If you don't like the movie, let them know you didn't like the movie. It is what it is. But the feedback yeah. does help no matter which way you shake it. Just don't be profane exactly. or ignorant. That's all. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. No, you can be an asshole, but there's a way to do it without being profane or ignorant. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> hey, man, we know a lot of people that said I'm pretty good at being a polite asshole. Yeah, I have my moments. Uh, There's also moments where I'm just not all anyway. (laughs) Um, But uh, we all are, bro. We all are. I know. I know. I'm looking forward to things, man. Things are coming together. That uh, SC 6.1 chassis has hit Chicago, Illinois International. So that means it will be crossing into Canada, hopefully uh, in either this weekend into next week. So cross your fingers and toes. I can have that thing here in like a week and a half, two weeks. Dude, isn't this crazy that Things went from literally almost overnight, like less than 24 hours to your door. I've had Amazon packages. If the timing is right, make it in literally less than 24 hours. And then some stuff takes now, forever. Well, now yeah. it's like you're lucky if it's going to be 24 days. Well, no, but I've heard of people not having problems at all. See, I think the reason why we get hammered is all our mails distributed out of Sudbury, and it just becomes a mess. Well, all of our, I think a lot of our stuff goes to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, once it hits Sudbury, mm-hmm. well, really, it's somewhere on a truck from three. We and a half we hours we have a mutual friend that worked for a postal agency, and the long and short of it is, is that apparently Canada Post is down to like half staff in Toronto which is the major sorting facility for all of it in Ontario. So there are some well, hiccups there. It's the only way that they've been able to, uh, to, well, to do the social distancing, to people, give safe yeah. workspace. Right. I, I like, I get it. I understand it. And I've kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, I'm happy to have the chassis on its way. I'm disappointed that it cost me as much as it did with exchange and everything else, but I, I needed this chassis. So it was one of those things where it was like, okay, budget's kind of out the window on this deal. I need to get this chassis here. So now what I really got to do is I got to figure out how the hell I'm going to get a hold of two bodies. Um, cause those are not going to be cheap to get here by any stretch of the imagination. I want to try and get my hands on a pro line Nova, the 69 so, Nova. They're really, really nice. Um, here's something. Mm-hmm. To keep in mind, 
you got to ask me about it because I don't know where it is. Mm. But I still have a $50 gift card for that hobby shop that's local, like in Canada. Remember we bought those certificates oh. and Julie ended up winning one through the raffles when we did the uh, SR Family Day? Oh, I do remember that. I, like, we still have that gift card somewhere. I you might as still well use it. As long as it's good to use, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they have to. They have to honor it. Well, well, that'd be awesome. We'll check into it. We could use it for that for sure. Well, because my goal is with this whole thing, I can get the chassis and the few things that I need from, like, AE shipped to me here at the house in a relative amount of time. Um, yep. And it's not overly expensive for me to convert Ed's old B5M into a DR10 and make it like kind of a, my thought is that I, I don't know what body to put on it quite yet, but I want to kind of try and get a body that closely resembles whatever his full scale car was and, you know, kind of have it painted mm-hmm. the same color. Cause that's kind of the dedicated to him. But, um, I've heard rumor that there's, there's potentially a Mopar body coming out. Um, for, yeah, I just, I don't know for sure. I, I don't want to comment on from what manufacturer, but right now the, the bot dude, it looks so sharp and it's annoying because of course everybody has one, but whatever it is, what it is. But dude, look up the pro line 69 Nova bodies. Oh, bruh, bruh with the right paint job. Like, Oh dude. So I think I want to try and get my hands on one of those and then figure out another body. I'm not sure, quite sure yet. I got to do a little more research. Yeah, it's a pretty cool looking picture. Uh, body. Right. So we'll see. Hopefully, we'll have two cars and we'll be able to rip them up and down the road. And then we got to build a third one. And then we got to do a third body like a police car. Yeah, buddy. And then we can do scale movies. <laughs> we can do scale movies around my neighborhood. We can set jumps up and jump, like, jump over the, the train tracks and stuff. God, yeah. <laughs> right? Glue a plastic little shaker on the hood. We don't even need to. We got Jason with a 3D printer. We can get him to 3D print us as one. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, well, well, that's f- awesome, my man. Right? I'm super stoked about it, but I think at this point we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to yep. get this thing edited and posted for all you folks to listen to. I want to say thanks, of course, to all the sponsors of the show that have been there, helped me out through keeping this thing funded basically the reality is this because they sponsored the show it allows me to put the money into the show instead of into the hobby so thanks to gone banana racing skins mks cow rc max amps of course teak and racing 920 designs and of course team associated thank you very much to all those folks and i did mention earlier in the episode if you are in the state of Michigan or even in the United States hearing this and you need anything, reach out to Casey Hobbies and Toys out of St. Angus, Michigan. Casey hips ships all the time, all over the place. It uh, doesn't even matter, I guess, if you're in the U.S., reach out to them. Uh, I'm trying to not buy as much in the U.S. because the exchange rate is completely absurd right now. Um, but unfortunately, it is the major source of everything RC for me. It just so happens to be that way. But thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you later. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Say bye to everybody. Well, bye, everybody. (laughs) See you guys later. Thanks for listening.